Hi, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. I'm Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. Emma Lads, who is a primary care in-practice fellow and a GP who is based at the Nuffield Department of Primary Care Health Sciences at the University of Oxford. We're going to discuss the paper she has recently published in the BJGP with her colleagues, which is titled How Have Remote Care Approaches Impacted on Continuity? A Mixed Methods Systematic Review. So thanks, Emma, for joining us here today. What I wanted to start by saying was, as some of the listeners of the podcast might know, and you probably know as a jobbing GP, that continuity has been a pretty hot topic here in the BJGP and within the RCGP. And I remember talking, listening to Martin Marshall at the RCGP conference last year, and he told the audience that if continuity was a pill, we'd all prescribe it. But as you acknowledge in this paper, how we deliver primary care is changing. So talk us through the background to the study and why it was important to conduct it. Um, Well, as you mentioned, I'm um, a jobbing GP. Um, So I did six months of my GP training before the pandemic hit. Um, Very nice seeing patients face to face, um, regular clinics in the way that people might envisage a more traditional model of general practice. Um, And then overnight, of course, everything changed. um, And we were delivering the vast majority of our care over the phone um, or by sending text messages or emails and everything was very much more at arm's distance. Um, And I could really feel the impact that was having on my own relationships with patients. And I was appreciating that it was getting harder and harder to see the same patients again, um, partly because of the way our systems were set up and partly because of the pandemic context. But I think it made me really sit back and reevaluate the values of general practice um, because I definitely noticed my own job satisfaction going down enormously. Again, partly it's a, a difficult time, but I think I really began to see what value I got out of ongoing relationships with patients and how their care was much more coherent um, and seemed to be much more appreciated in the context of ongoing relationships, um, be that interpersonal with the same person or be it episodic around a particular sort of phase of illness or type of illness. And even, I suppose, the improved experience of um, well-documented records so that you could have some kind of informational or managerial continuity as well. Um, And I suppose coming out of the pandemic, I have reflected on, although everything has gone back to normal, of course, it hasn't gone back to normal at all and, and never will do. And I think as a community, we need to think about what values in general practice we want to hang on to and what make a difference for people and what are possible to deliver as well. And then maybe think about how we're delivering our care to achieve those and not vice versa, as in, you know, don't say, well, this is how we're going to deliver care. So therefore, these are the values we're going to end up with. And I guess that's what led me to sort of explore who had looked at continuity in a more remote, multidisciplinary care age um, and what the findings had been with a view to sort of building on that going forwards, because I think continuity is really important. Yeah, I was uh, speaking last week to Sir uh, Dennis Pereira-Gray, and he was telling me about 
when he was working as a GP here in Exeter, continuity meant, you know, going and visiting people every day at lunchtime and having families and generations of people that you saw and built relationships with. But as you highlight, continuity is changing now in this new era of remote care. And although we are moving back to more face-to-face appointments, there is a significant proportion of appointments that are still being held over the phone. I, I think that's really true. Um, Dennis and I are really good friends, and I think actually our um, our ideas about continuity would be very similar, actually. Um, we believe in ongoing relationships and trying to think about for whom continuity matters the most and how we can try and attain that for them. But I think we also both recognise the challenges of practising now with a severely depleted workforce, a more complex workforce, as in often we're supervising other um, specialties, so paramedics or advanced nurse practitioners. And increasingly, there is much more distributed. You know, we've got community diabetes teams, we've got community heart failure teams, district nurses are no longer based in general practice for the in the vast majority of cases. Um, but I think we both still value continuity enormously. And despite those complexities, there are things you can do to make it more or less likely that the patient's for whom particular kinds of continuity really matter can be more or less achieved. Um, So, for example, um, our practice runs a usual doctor system because our patients really value um, interpersonal relationships um, and say that that matters to them, as do our doctors, interestingly. Um, But in different contexts, that may not be suitable. um, And actually, you may rely much more on transferring information through the record. Um, So, for example, um, one of the practices I work with down in Plymouth has quite um, a large migrant homeless population. It's quite a transitory population, not very stable. And so actually what matters most in terms of their care is ensuring that there's a coherence in the way that their story is portrayed through their medical records, not necessarily the same person every time. So I think it's a bit of horses for courses, really. um, And that's the beauty of general practice in the way it's it's practiced in the UK, isn't it? There are so many different contexts. And at the moment, we have the flexibility to largely be able to set up our services depending on what the needs of our communities are. So in this study, you and your team conducted a literature review using standard methods and found 15 papers covering a range of themes looking at continuity and remote care um, in, in practice. So in the results, you talk about patient, healthcare provider and system factors influencing continuity of care. Could you just talk us through these results? Yeah, so um, as as you mentioned, this was a fairly standard literature review, really just to sort of set the scene. Um, And I don't think any of the findings are particularly rocket science and probably a lot of us already know from our own experience um, about many of the um, factors that determine continuity. So some people really value relational continuity, as I've mentioned. So both patients and healthcare professionals, um, often healthcare professionals, actually, because they view the um, consultations conducted within um, an ongoing relationship as being sort of higher quality, safer, more satisfying. Um, And often, though not always for patients, that's also the case. Um, There are various factors, so patients thinking that it matters to see the same doctor, for example, um, that determine whether they're more or less likely to seek out um, personal continuity. 
healthcare professionals sometimes have to put in extra work to make that relational continuity matter. And I think that's particularly true um, in an age where there's increasing amounts of digital interaction and tech as well. So, for example, you may have to go above and beyond the standard processes um, to actually get good relational continuity with a patient. So taking the initiative to send them a text message to work out when you can next give them a ring rather than just telling them to book an appointment, for example. And that sort of leads me on to the fact that the, the results that actually what truly governs how we're able to deliver continuity is the way that we set up our systems and processes. So I mentioned in the introduction about how we run a usual doctor system in our practice, where we all have our own lists of patients and we try and encourage people to see the same doctor where possible. But also in terms of thinking about your access routes to care, um, that can very much determine whether or not continuity is deliverable. So for example, if patients really, really have struggle to access a practice, they may be much more likely just to take whatever care they can get than if it's easier, say, to phone up and, and contact their regular doctor. And that may be as simple as they have to learn what days their, their regular doctor is in the practice so that they can then ring on that day to be able to speak to them. And that's all to do with how you set up the system to enable that that process of, of contact and access. And what were the findings here relating to the patient-doctor relationship in the context of remote consultations and continuity? Uh, and again, quite variable, really. Um, and, and I suspect reflect many thoughts that we've all um, experienced as well about how for some patients, particularly older, particularly multimorbid, particularly those people with complexities such as mental health problems or for whom um, their social circumstances might be more vulnerable, actually um, the patient-doctor relationship may be more important. We looked at um, some studies reporting on pure remote GP services um, and in those sort of contexts you have to take their findings with a little bit of a pinch of salt because they're a bit selected into a cater for but generally for younger fitter patients where actually the care that they might be looking for is more a resolution for an acute issue rather than ongoing problems actually they can be really highly satisfied just with a one-off encounter and the um, convenience factor there may be much more important for them than an ongoing relationship with somebody else, um, their usual doctor, for example. One thing that um, some people have suggested in terms of continuity is focusing continuity on specific groups of people. So as you mentioned, people who maybe are older or multimorbid or perhaps people with dementia or at the end of life, because some people assume that as you say, younger people who are having maybe more acute episodes don't necessarily need long-term continu continuity. They might need episodic continuity. What are your thoughts about this kind of focusing continuity uh, arrangements on specific populations? I, I think it's actually really important. Um, so I think you could argue in an ideal world, actually, those acute bouts of care add up to a longer term relationship. And that would be your traditional sort of idea about general practice, a UTI here or a chest infection there. And actually, over time, you've built up a, a picture of who that person behind those illness episodes is. Um, great. If you've got the workforce to be able to deliver that, and if that's what the community you're serving are looking for, I think there are trade-offs with that sort of situation. 
particularly around convenience potentially um, and ease and speed of access. I think as well in a, in the context we're in, where actually we are massively understaffed in terms of full-time equivalent GPs um, and care is becoming much more distributed, that's an impossible dream at the moment. Um, and so how do you then try and pursue your value of continuity? Well, yes, I think ultimately you do probably have to restrict it and target it for those groups for whom it makes the biggest difference. Um, and, and I think it isn't remote approaches to care or technology in particular um, that determine continuity or not, um, but the way that they're used. And so if you think that continuity matters, particularly for those groups, actually, whether you send a text message or whether you pick up the phone or whether you see somebody face to face, is probably the far lesser important factor than the fact that you think it matters, that it's the same person that you're having that relationship and that context contact with. And following on from that, one of the themes that you looked at um, was the risks of remote care on continuity. So tell us a bit more about this. Um, I, there's there's already been some early work looking at this, um, and I think I experience it on a clinical um, basis as well, that there are some risks in terms of worsening inequities um, and therefore health inequalities. Um, for example, if patients find it more difficult to use technology, but you set up your access system primarily designed around that, that route, actually you risk making it much harder for digitally less enabled people to get in contact with their GP or to contact their GP of preference. And therefore, if you're using continuity for those people, often older people, often people with mental health problems or learning disabilities or communication issues or people who don't have somebody to advocate for them digitally, then that is a huge risk as well. And, and their outcomes risk being worse because of the way you're determining your care setup. Um, I wanted to focus now on the implications of this study and ask you about what this research has found in terms of what it means for patients and for GPs. What would you want to tell a GP about the findings and what it means to their approaches to remote consultations and continuity? I think there's probably several levels to answer that question. So if I'm talking to my own colleagues, I think emphasising that continuity can be very helpful in terms of how easy it can make consultations, how much it can improve the quality um, and the safety of consultations, and also that it's very achievable despite what we might think with the added complexities of remote care um, approaches, it does require harder work. And you do have to think carefully about how you're designing systems and services and access routes and, and all of those sorts of things. I think if I'm speaking to patients, I'm trying to reassure them that actually we do still or such values are still part of general practice and are still seen as important by a large number of professionals, healthcare professionals. Um, but I think in con conversation with both patients, the wider public, but also policymakers, um, we need to be honest about the kind of trade-offs and effects that we're having by, by trying to promote single-issue general policies for very diverse, very different groups of communities and populations, and also um, practitioners as well. Not every general practitioner thinks or works in the same way, nor wants to. And 
often they match their communities and that's a good thing and it should be encouraged. But if you are promoting access and promoting a digital only approach as was done during the pandemic and has been ranged back to an extent, but it's still promoted really, you will incur trade-offs and losses and that may be important for particular groups. Um, and we need to be honest about what those will be. Okay, yes, I think there's some really important take-home messages here about how to set up systems and factors to encourage continuity if that's the focus of the practice and about the impacts on patients given continuing use of remote technologies. I think it's been just a really interesting discussion around continuity in general and how continuity can be taken forward realistically within the NHS at the moment, given the workforce pressures that uh, many practices are facing. So that's been really interesting just generally to chat around that. Um, But thank you very much for your time today, Emma. Lovely. Thank you, Nada. And thank you all very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. We've published a number of studies here in the BJGP about continuity, so if you are interested, please do take a look back through the archives to see some of our recent research in this area. Thanks again and bye! Bye!